Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, we're going to ask the question, should you start a podcast? Yes. Mm. Well, maybe. Yeah. This is a very meta episode, obviously, because you're listening to a podcast about two people talking about whether or not you should start a podcast. But we feel like it's kind of a companion episode to our should you write a book conversation because they tie together in a very close way, but they're dramatically different formats, obviously. And some people have an easier time writing. Some people have an easier time thinking or uh, thinking, speaking, <laughs> I'm not having a good time thinking today. Some people think better in, in text. Some people think better on their feet talking. And the two working together can be a really powerful combination. So we thought uh, we'd get a little tactical this week and put some ideas out there to get you thinking about whether or not you should start a podcast. Perfect. The reason this is top of mind for me is because I have a couple of students who recently started a podcast. They were like, I've got all these ideas. I want to get them out there. Uh, I'm thinking about starting a podcast and really hadn't thought beyond it other than, geez, it seems like a good idea. Everybody's doing it. In both cases, I, I personally gave it the green light. I said, yeah, that's a great idea. Both of them are speakers, you know, so they, they do conferences. One of them also uh, is a professor and he's always up in front of people, always talking. So it seemed like a good fit. And they both had a really clear idea for the show that they wanted to get across. And they both had a sort of a tie-in product. So one of them is working on a book that would be on the same topic and for the same audience. And the other one does a really popular weekly email list that he sells sponsorships to and is a consultant who sells consulting services along the same lines. So it made tons of sense to me. It seemed like a really good fit because it's a good medium for both of them. It was super focused. You know, it's not just like a, a hangout with Bob and see what we talk about today type of thing. It was really focused, really clear audience for each one. And working through the early stages of that, was eye-opening for me, even though I've been podcasting for at least five years, multiple shows across five years. So a lot of podcasting and in lots of different formats, you know, so I've just been paying attention to it for a long time. And still watching these two shows get off the ground was really interesting. It felt like there'd be a lot to share with folks who were thinking about it. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've got a situation now with a client where we've got a fully articulated and now baked big idea. And my first suggestion, because he's brilliant as a guest on podcasts, is you need to do a podcast with this. And let's talk about podcast to book in this case, because the two can work really well together, again, depending on whether podcasting is your is your medium. Right. So let's sort of start there. One answer to the question, should you start a podcast is, can you talk? Are you good at that? Can you put two words together? Or it, does the idea of that just panic you and you freeze up? And <laughs> people don't get speaker's block. You know, people talk about writer's block. You don't get speaker's block when you're talking to someone else. Even I find it difficult to do solo episodes where it's just me talking to a mic about an idea off script. That's pretty hard. So if you are reasonably conversational with other people, you like talking to your colleagues about whatever your big idea is or whatever your focus is, your area of expertise, then you're probably good enough. You're probably a good enough speaker. And I would say the vast majority of people fall into that category. You don't need to have an amazing voice or be exceptionally interesting or outgoing or exuberant. But it, as long as you can hold an interesting conversation with another interesting person, which is pretty easy, 
then to me, the easiest format for someone who's getting started is the interview format with just two people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So either you have a co-host like us and you you kind of react to each other on a show about a topic or you regularly have guests that you can, you know, interview on a, a short series of questions. And it's really as long as the show has a theme, you're pretty much going to go with the same five or six questions every time and just let the guest kind of react to it and then follow the conversation from there. So it's really pretty straightforward. And what I like about that second approach is introverts can do that. Because really what you're doing is you're listening to your guest. You've got your pretty standard set of questions and you're listening to where your guest goes with it and you follow them. You're a member of the audience helping them to get out of the guest their wisdom. So I like that in particular because it offers more options for you know people with different ranges of skills and comfort. Yeah, I, just, I was actually just answering an email this morning and someone... I posted an episode of Ditching Hour yesterday and someone randomly emailed in. She said, geez, you're a really good interviewer. How did you, did you practice that? And I was like, well, I never really thought of myself as a good interviewer, but thanks. And to answer the question, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, on that show, I, I invite in this show, we, we, when we have a guest, I will pick someone I'm really interested in. So I have this genuine curiosity in the individual for some reason, you know, they've got an interesting idea or they've had some amazing accomplishment or gone through some experience that's very interesting. And the plan is to just talk about that, but we've got a couple of facets to it that focus it down and make it really easy, I think, to get, you know, a good conversation going. So it starts off with, hey, we're interested in the guest. That's a good start. But also the show has a very clear focus and therefore a very clear audience. So as you just sort of alluded to, it's a particular kind of interest that we have in this person. It's not general interest like we're just hanging around. For Ditching Hourly, it's always around pricing. So you might interview someone that's been interviewed a thousand times, but I've got a different angle on it than, than most of the other ones. I want to find out specifically about, well, you know, how did you increase your profits? And after you stopped hourly billing, what did you do after that? How did that go? So they could be on a podcast tour, but still you're going to get something different from them on that show. And this show I think is, is different too, because when, when we invite people on, they always have some core premise or some big idea, but we also want to talk to them about their business, like talking about how they built their business. Their idea, of course, is going to come up, but you're getting a different angle. I feel like a, you can get good interviews out of people that your audience is going to value by basically acting as a proxy for them on this focused area of interest. And then just pick interesting people and talk to them. <laughs> it's not magic. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We're sort of talking a little bit about format and a little bit about why you might want a podcast. So I think probably for folks listening to this show, the why you would want a podcast, the most obvious reason is to build an audience and build trust with that audience around your area of expertise or your big idea to spread the idea. But there are other reasons to podcast that you should be aware of so that you don't confuse them or automatically think that you need to do all of them. So, you know, I have a bunch of podcasting friends who podcast specifically as an income stream. They put together a show that they know is going to have a broad appeal and they've got a list of sponsors that they want or they subscribe to like an ad network kind of thing. It's a money-making proposition. You know, I've got friends who have really popular podcasts that are doing five figures a month in sponsorships. Like it's non-trivial. Most people, it's it's just interesting side income, but but that is the main reason that they do it, just basically as an income stream. 
So for people who really want to build an audience and build trust, I think having a sponsor is probably not worth the time. It, this is a sort of a broad stroke, but it takes effort to do it. It complicates your production and there's a lot of administrative back and forth with the sponsors. Uh, things go wrong and then you have to give them <laughs> refunds or you, you know, if you're selling a bunch of sponsorships, you can't skip a week. I mean, we're on a regular schedule, but not all of the shows I do are on a regular schedule. But if we were selling sponsorships, that, that we would have to be, you know. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of complications that having ads or sponsorships on a show bring. So unless that's a main focus to bring in money that way, or you've got this mass, you know, whatever, if you end up with a massive audience and you want to monetize it, that's something you can think about later. But to start out, I think it's more of a complication than anything else for folks who listen to this show, I think probably having ads is more of a complication than it's worth. Well, there's also that just as a listener, there's that feeling, especially if you're early on and you're building an audience there, that sponsorship feel can be really negative. Do you know what I mean? Where you have that big booming voice and the first 30 seconds of the podcast are a commercial. I mean, I just, I hate those. Sometimes they bug me. Sometimes they don't. Like in entertainment shows I listen to, they don't bother me at all. Uh, it's, and it's, it's like the host reading a placement in the middle and probably my favorite podcast, Mabim Bam, the sponsor spots are as funny as the rest of the show because they, they kind of screw them up on purpose and they play with them and which is great because it, it makes you listen to them. You don't fast forward or anything because you know, there's, you're going to be missing some laughs, you know, they make it funny, but that's not easy. That's right. It's, <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're mainly about a big idea and you mainly want to spread it, and it's probably not worth thinking about. And you can just sort of rule that out and make things simpler for yourself to get started. There's another big reason to start a podcast that ties in that I think is not obvious, but is pretty important, which is that it helps you extend your network to people who otherwise probably wouldn't just jump on an hour long phone call with you. When you've got a show, you have something to invite people to always. You have this situation where uh, this just happened to uh, someone in my Slack room. He was going to a big conference, really big conference that was focused on his industry, you know, obviously. When he met somebody who was super interesting, hey, would you like to come on my podcast? Oh, what's that? Well, it's a show about, you know, thing that we're both interested in. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Let me give you my card, uh, I'll, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it gives you this thing. Imagine you're at a conference like, hey, we should jump on a call sometime and just chat. <laughs> that's a really weird, that's a really weird call to action. And, and, and it's hard to imagine that actually coming to fruition. But if you say, hey, I've got this show and I'd love to have you on. You're super interesting. I'd love to talk to you about that thing that we just talked about for the benefit of the audience. It's, it feels more concrete. It feels more like an honor. It feels like an opportunity potentially. And well, it gives you instant credibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a totally different dynamic. You know, so the plan was he's like going to go to this conference and, you know, there were some pretty heavy hitters there who had heard of his show and he knew that because it had been mentioned in the, this is sort of a long story. I don't want to go into the specific details, but he basically went to the conference with the intention of running into some really, really famous people in his industry. And, and his show has enough notoriety that he felt like he, that it was a, a good invite. The plan was that the show's not until October, but his plan is to go there and either run into them backstage, run into them somewhere and invite them on the show. 
And it remains to be seen what will happen. But you can imagine that that is much more likely to transpire than just saying, hey, famous person, mind if I pick <laughs> your brain for an hour on the phone? Like they're not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of good for everyone because the guest gets a platform, gets access to a new audience, perhaps is going to get asked questions that they've never been asked before. And uh, I mean, I know as a podcast guest, sometimes some of it it's, can be amazing what a good host will pull out of me. I'm just like, wow, I didn't even know I had that idea. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun. I don't know. I like it. But if you imagine you start a show and the idea is to build an audience and trust and so forth, and you're working on a book or something like that, getting people who are well-known in your industry to come on the show, which is a fairly small ask. It's not a huge ask. You know, it's just like, hey, jump on a phone call and talk to me for 15 minutes. No, no big deal. But once you've had a conversation with them, you're going to have, I'm not going to say a relationship, but you've made a connection, certainly. And there's a follow-up there and, you know, oh, we shared the show. It's got this many downloads. It's got this many listens. Here's a link if you want to share the show uh, with your audience and your network. And you sort of keep in touch a little bit, not obnoxiously, but when it comes time, it is not unreasonable to shoot that person a message and say, hey, you know, I'm working on a book. Uh, There's a chapter that's on what we talked about or it's related to what we talked about on the show when you came on. It's fine to say no, but do you think you'd have time to review the chapter and tell me what you think? That kind of thing. And once you've had that sort of conversation with someone, I almost want to qualify it and say that will probably increase the odds, but I know it increases the odds that they are likely to do you that favor. And they could end up blurbing the book. They could end up sharing the book. They could end up introducing you to other people that you should send the book to that are also very well-known, you know, thought leaders in the space. It's a great way to kind of network up, you know, whatever space you're in. Well, plus you're asking for a chapter review versus a book review. Mm -hmm. It's a lot smaller ask. And so it increases the likelihood that they'll say yes. Yeah, I think it's great. I love having something to invite people to. That's one of my favorite parts about this particular show. It's a fun thing to invite people that I'd like to talk to on. (laughs) You know, there's Mm -hmm. like lots of people. It makes sense to invite well-known people that, you know, whose books are on my shelf. Like, oh, here's, I have a shelf full of books. I'd love to talk to some of these people. So that's one of my favorite things about this particular show. When I suggested Jill Conrath as a guest, I've always wanted to talk to her and to be able to hear her philosophy, how she describes it, how she runs her business. It was fascinating. Absolutely. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the interview that we had, she said stuff on that interview I've never heard her say before, mm-hmm. which, exactly. was, you know, well, I don't know. I think it's cool. <laughs> okay. So we sort of talked about three reasons why you might podcast income stream, building an audience and trust and extending your network. So let's say you're like, all right, I can have a conversation with somebody and I want to do one of these particular things. Then immediately you run up against the wall of like, Ugh, but how do I do this? How do I actually record the interview? Do I really need a good mic? Where do I, well, like what, what do I do? How do I host it? Do I put it on my website? What, what happens there? How do I edit it? Do I need to put music on all of these like little tactical questions that, you know, I've seen plenty of times people ask me all the time. It's like, well, how do you, how do you do that? How do I get started? Of course, that's something you can Google, but it's such a popular question that it, that's almost overwhelming because you'll get thousands and thousands and thousands of, Hey, first time <laughs> podcaster, <laughs> you know, probably a podcast about that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
well, or 20. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there are entire conferences that are just for podcasters to come and, you know, kind of bash around those sorts of ideas, everything from business model to gear. So of course, you know, somebody like this American life or whatever, they've got a serious setup and it's intense, but to get started, just as a rule of thumb, the audio quality, it just needs to be good enough. And people might complain about that and say, you know, you might be like, oh no, you're wrong. It needs to be great. I'm like, ah, it, it needs to be good enough that it's not distracting. So that's, I know that's not like a very clear description, but people will tell you if it's a distractingly poor recording, believe me, they'll tell you immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. your voices are, you know, if you're interviewing and one person's voice is a lot louder than the other or something like that, they'll be like, I can't listen to this. It's too the voices are out of balance or there's too much background noise or your beard was rubbing on the microphone the entire time or, you know, <laughs> all of these things. I haven't gotten that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of a common sense thing where if you have a reasonably quiet room and a reasonably good microphone and you've got a way to record independent tracks, which we'll talk about in a second, it's really fine. That's good enough. I'll link to a mic, the mic that I'd use in the show notes. So there's a ton of them. Just get like a Rode or a, MXL USB microphone, just get a USB mic, plug it into your computer and you need some kind of recording software, but I'll talk about that separately. You bought a microphone, right? And that was about it. I had one from when I was doing videos. I have an Apogee mic that I love and I I have a stand. I had everything already. You know, my challenge was making sure that my internet connection was stable enough. Yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah, to make this work, but it's really easy. It's just, I mean, trust me, and you know, Jonathan's talking about this from his perspective of having done multiple podcasts and being a technologist. I'm not a technologist, I'm a strategist. And so for me, this was really simple. Great, good. This is, you know, I know people love to have these gear conversations, but I just go, I just want something that works that I can plug in and it's reliable. Boom. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. This is going to be super tactical, but I'll keep it short. In order to edit the show, it's really important to have the voices on separate tracks. So if you have two people, if you have one person, you're just talking into a mic, you can use absolutely anything to record. QuickTime on Mac is what I usually use, but you could just talk into your iPhone practically. So one person's easy. Two people remotely gets a little bit trickier, but it's still fairly easy. So we use Skype plus Call Recorder, which is from Ecamm, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Which the nice thing about that is that it it just never breaks. It you know, knock on wood, it'll break today, but <laughs> it, it just works. You start the call and it's recording. It just saves a file to your desktop of, you know, that can be separated into two tracks. That's really easy. Another one that's real common that is useful for if when we have a guest, we've got three people and, and call recorder will not separate all three tracks. It only does two maximum. So everybody but me is lumped onto the other track, which is not good. So what you can do when you have three or more people is use either something like Zencaster or Zoom, which is my preferred approach, uh, where Zoom, you can have Zoom set up to record locally to the host's machine as individual tracks for each person. The audio quality is not stellar, but it's really reliable and it's good enough. Uh, it's very easy for the guest to call in on Zoom. I've never really had a problem with somebody figuring out how to use Zoom. Uh, It seems to be more and more popular. That would be the way I would go with more than two people. So then you end up with these individual recordings. I'm going to blast through this because it's boring, but I know people get stuck (laughs) on it. As you probably have noticed from this show, we don't bother with 
you know, big intro music or like today, business of authority, you know, none of that garbage. I shouldn't say garbage. It's kind of cool in some cases, but we just skipped it. And like, guess what, dear listener, did you miss it? Do you wish we had that? I doubt it. <laughs> so if you're starting your own show, you know, just start off with like, hey, welcome to show. I'm my name and here's my guest, blah, blah, blah. Here's guest bio and just go for it. And then at the end, just like, thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Every little thing you add to your production complicates things. To start out, I don't think you need that stuff. I think it's more trouble than it's worth personally. Well, you don't have to do, and if I build it, they will come. Just do this very organically and start with what works. And you can always add bells and whistles as you go, but you don't need to start with all that. Yeah, there's a concept in the software world called MVP, which is minimum viable products. Like what's the least number of features we can build to actually get customers using the software and giving us feedback. And I feel the same way about almost everything, actually. So podcasts, definitely one of those things where I just want to get started, get it going and do the minimum viable thing that you can do to get the ideas out in the world. And, you know, if at some point we get really excited about it or, you know, who knows, I, I doubt that will happen, but you can add that stuff later. You can even go back and add it to old shows later. If you feel like, you know, new people are going to be discovering your show, you can just go back and tack that stuff on. It's just not worth getting hung up on. So if you want to do it and you find yourself getting stuck on it, just ditch it or get it done, one or the other. But don't let yourself get hung up on that. Once you have the raw recording on multiple tracks, you're almost surely going to have to at least trim the beginning and the end. I tried for a while to hit call and then as Skype picked up, immediately jump into the intro without even saying hello to the other person. You know, like I'd warn them and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to call no. as soon as I call it. We're just going to start the show. But every single time it was like it was very it felt impersonal, even with people who I've known for 10 years. You need a little bit of a warm up. You do. So there's always going to be stuff at the beginning and probably stuff at the end to trim off. And in the middle, they're almost always going to be crosstalk or bad ums and ahs or we have a tendency to say, you know, about a million times per episode, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. so, you know, so you want to trim those out because they get a little bit annoying. And if there's any audio dropout, which will sometimes happen, you want to fix that. So there's a little bit of editing that you want to do. You don't want to just release it raw. You could, I suppose, but you still have to trim off the beginning and the end. So you have to edit it somewhere. So if you're going to edit yourself, there are a million applications. I recommend Audacity because it's free and cross-platform. And it's a, perhaps a little bit overwhelming, but you only need to learn about two or three things to make it work. Other ones that people use are Adobe Audition or Reaper. Uh, those are paid and even more overwhelming and sophisticated, but uh, they do work. Honestly, however, I wouldn't recommend starting there because there are a bunch of services who are set up, podcast production services that are set up to accept these raw files and just process them for you and do all the stuff that you probably don't want to learn how to do anyway. Like yes. make the levels work, trim off the beginning and the end, take out all of the dropouts and ums and ahs and long pauses. And we just started using one called Podcast Motor. I think that's the most popular one. You know, it's not free. It's not even close to free, but it takes care of all of that junk for you. And they'll even, if it's your a new show, and you're completely brand new to podcasting, they even have uh, an additional setup fee that you can pay to initially kind of help you with these things that I'm talking about. 
they'll uh, give you advice about that. If you wanted to have some of that intro music with a voiceover and all, you know, professional voiceover, they can get that done for you. Um, they'll set up a logo and do a little bit of artwork for it. So that's a nice service. If you just want to write a check and have it done with, then Podcast Motor is a great approach. I, I know a lot of people that use it and we just started using it. So, you know, in fact, this will be the first episode they edit. So we can see ah. how they do. <laughs> good, good luck, Craig. <laughs> so once you have the file edited, you're going to, you know, it's going to be an MP3. Those are the file format. And you need to host it somewhere. So you're going to put it on the internet somewhere. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, but podcasting has been around for a long enough time that there's some really straightforward services that you can use to host it and some that actually create a website for it and everything. And then they'll even syndicate it to things like Stitcher or uh, Spotify, all of that stuff. You know, Simplecast, true to its name, is probably the easiest one I've seen. It's really inexpensive for an unlimited number of podcasts. It's something like $9 a month, and it's really, really easy to use. You guys go in there, you and Kathy go in there. Does, does it seem pretty straightforward? Oh, listen, that's what I was going to say. If I can use it, oh, it's piece of cake. <laughs> I think the most complicated thing is having to use a hashtag in one place to post it. Everything else is completely intuitive. I'm a big fan of that. I like simple. I, I like simple and Simplecast is very simple. Also, if you are going to go with Podcast Motor, they have their own hosting service called Castos. It's same kind of thing, but you don't have to worry about it. They just do it. You'd have access to it, but they just set that up. Uh, and the other really popular thing for people to do is embed the episode, host the episode somewhere like Simplecast and then embed them in a WordPress site or some other website. You're a WordPress person, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do with our stuff is it's embedded in, in that site and it's on the business of authority site. Yeah, there you go. So once you've got the raw recording done with separate tracks for each speaker, then you can really just hand it off to somebody like Podcast Motor and they will take care of literally everything from that point on from getting it edited. If you did have ads or you do have bumpers on each, you know, like intro and outro music on each end of the show, they'll do all of that for you. Post it. This sounds like an ad for for Podcast Motor, but it's really not. It's stuff that you can do on your own relatively easily. But if you just don't feel like learning that, then you have a really easy option to get started. Absolutely. There's lots of options for that. Here's the thing where I, I feel like I personally dropped the ball is like once it's produced, edited, posted, I do very little to promote it after that. I, I feel like you're, <laughs> you're much stronger at that. So maybe you could weigh in a little bit about episode art and titles and sharing and follow up with guests. And I mean, I can chime in on some of that, but so let me just step back for a second. And so I think of podcasting in terms of three steps and, or three phases, maybe is a better way to say it. You've got the production, which you've talked about, content, which we've kind of talked about in terms of being focused and interview-based as an example. And then you have distribution. And I call it distribution instead of promotion because I think it sounds easier to do. You know, that you're distributing and sharing versus promoting. But really, that's what we're talking about is promotion. When we go back to the core question of should you start a podcast? Here's the other question you have to answer is, am I willing to be responsible for distributing this? Because if you're not going to promote it, don't do it. 
to do all of that effort and create this this asset and then nobody gets to see it because you're not putting it out there in the world is just wrong. It just makes me feel bad for you. <laughs> not you, Jonathan, you're right. the listener right. who would do that and then not not promote it. So distribution, I mean, my view of this is I try to make it as simple as possible. I'll just talk about what we do. I've got clients that do it similarly and a little bit differently is that uh, we have a process that we follow. So we record on a certain day. The recording typically is uploaded to the hosting site on a certain day. Kathy creates the, the artwork's already been created, but she adjusts it for that episode on a certain day. And then what I do on a certain day is I sit down and I write two different things. One is I write a summary of, or three different things, excuse me. One is I write a summary of the episode that is based on the talking points that Jonathan usually does and the quotes that we think might be interesting. And so I'll write that kind of for my audience. And then I will write a series of tweets, usually three. I'll post them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the week that we put them out. And then what I'll do if they're not evergreen, I will make them evergreen and I put them into a rotation schedule. And again, that's fairly automated. Kathy drops it in and once it's in, it it just cycles through and, and does that. The third thing is writing the email that goes out to the distribution list. And I like to have those three things. It sounds like a lot of work, but it really isn't if you sit down and do it all at once because they support each other. The words shouldn't be exactly the same. But then in terms of the distribution, this is where social media is so important. If you don't already have a list, And of course, if you do, it's just an amplifier. But if you don't already have a list, social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook are great places to share your podcast episodes. As an example, you could have an Instagram page that's only for your podcast because you can only have one URL on an Instagram page. There are ways for you to use this content in new places to develop those audiences. It's not like you put it out there and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're a movie star, but you put them out there and you start to find your kindred spirits. And it might be one at a time, two at a time. But I'm always fascinated the the day after we release the podcast, which is usually for me, it's the first tweet of that week for that podcast. I always get new people in my email list. Always, always, always. And it's kind of fun to see, you know, is it five today? Is it only one? Did they not like that one as much? Or was it my tweet wasn't as interesting? So, yeah, you really have to be ready to distribute your content. Yep. Actually, I said that I wasn't good at it, but I do pretty much what you just said, where, you know, I take a bunch of evergreen poll quotes from the episode, main talking points, bullet points from the episode, and I upload them to uh an evergreen social media sharing service called Meet Edgar that, you know, sends them out in a rotation. And a podcast is a great example of like, of the refutation, if that's the right word, of the build it and they will come. Like they will not come. No one is going <laughs> to, no one is going to discover your podcast. Right. So you have to share it. You have to let people know about it. You have to put that stimulus out there for people to react to. You know, when you have guests, you can ask them to do it too. So you'll be, you know, you, you've got your own probably existing audience or following on social media and guests, when they go on a show, they usually want people to hear it. So they'll share it with whatever their network is that tends to create a cross pollination for both parties. So yeah, you know, I put those things on, on social media. 
just Twitter and LinkedIn for me. I don't do Instagram. Yeah, and send it to the mailing list. A couple of things about podcasting that are a little frustrating. The main thing being that compared to like something like an email list where you can get into a conversation with an individual, a podcast, you don't really know who's listening. The analytics are famously vague. You don't know who listened. You don't know how many actual listens occurred. You know how many downloads there were, but that doesn't mean anybody listened to it because the podcast players generally can be set up to automatically download new episodes, but that doesn't tell you if anyone listened. It's really hard to tell if you're just shouting into the void or not. It's nice when people just sort of spontaneously reach out to you, say, hey, I really like that show or whatever, because you're like, oh, someone is listening. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the, the challenges with podcasting for a lot of people is that compared to things like web traffic or an email list, where the analytics are really, really clear and you can almost see exactly what lever to move to cause numbers to go one way or the other. Podcasting, you just have to get used to the fact that it's not that clear. It's less clear. I guess it sort of reminds me of brand advertising where you just do it and you hope it's working. Yeah, cross and, your fingers. Right. You'll get some indications because people will reach out to you. It, it happens to me fairly commonly when I go to a conference or some sort of in-person event where people will be like, oh man, I've listened to the show. It's so weird talking to you. I feel like I'm talking to a podcast and you know, <laughs> so you tend to get a lot of feedback about, I have in the past gotten most of the feedback I get about shows when I meet people. Something about the podcast format where, you know, you, you've got your headphones in and you're either doing the dishes or walking the dog or driving the car. And like none of those situations are conducive to typing up an email or clicking a link or anything like that. So it's pretty tough to get someone to convert from being the sort of listener to uh, someone who's going to, you know, rate and review your show on iTunes or something like that. It's a really tough, it's not great at that. It's not great at that. It's really good for many things, but it's, it's tough to get calls to action clicked, that sort of thing. The thing that I always think about with podcasts, like, like any of this, it's it's people learn and want to learn in different ways. So some people really want to listen or they like the convenience of a podcast. Some people really like watching a video and then some people want to read things. What's sort of interesting with podcasts is, is we use copy to get people to listen. And there's one podcaster that I worked with a little bit. I was on one of his shows and he does a video. He does these short videos to introduce the podcast, which I've got to ask him how that works. I'm fascinated by that. They're very short. He just does them at his computer. I mean, he's great on video. There may be 20 to 30 seconds. And then he says, boom, here's the episode. Part of this challenge, I think, and the way you want to think about this is what is your audience? What do you have to do to get them to listen? And to use not just social media, but as many media as seems to make sense. You know, you can experiment with these things a little bit. Believe me, you can go way down the rabbit hole of all the possibilities and like, oh, how do I game the, you know, new and noteworthy on iTunes? You, you, I, I almost want to say to you, dear listener, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, don't even Google it because you'll immediately get overwhelmed with all of the tactics. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so for me, the purpose of this episode is to kind of demystify what's involved so that you can move forward. If starting a podcast feels like a fit for you and you're going to be happy 
just by using it to flesh out your own ideas and meet people who you'd like, you find interesting, would like to talk to. Like if that's all you want to do, guaranteed it's going to work. You are going to be able to hash out your ideas. You're going to be able to meet really interesting people who you'd like to talk to. So forget about the analytics that almost, you know, you still want to spread the word, but you don't have to obsess over your analytics or how many downloads you're getting or any of that. Forget about ads, forget about intro music and, and voiceovers and all that stuff. Just have interesting conversations with people in your industry and do the simplest thing. Send it to somebody to just have it edited and posted for you. It's just a little bit of money. And then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to learn new skills. And boom, you're you're golden. That's the MVP for starting a podcast. I'm a fan. I've been podcasting forever. I love it. So I have a lot of students who get much benefit out of doing it and surprising connections. And it's just great. It's great. If, if you are interested in doing it, I say go forward full force and just start talking to people with a tape recording. Podcasting is the new radio. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's accessible for all of us. But going back to your opening, Jonathan, is, you know, you want to have a very clear, big idea and know who your audience is. And then all of the things he said, if you've got that and then you you take the simple approach, you will absolutely achieve what you want to do, which is getting your ideas out there. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And with that, we can wrap up this episode of the podcast about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.